Amir Ryder here, guys, at the Cloud9 Podcast with my guest, Bryn Jones, CEO and founder of PartnerStack. Bryn, appreciate you joining the call. Yeah, Amir, thanks for having me on here. So where are you, where are you based right now? Where are you, where are you joining from? Yeah, joining from Toronto, a lockdown Toronto, Toronto, Canada. Um, um, so it's an interesting time that we're in up here, but see, things seem to be opening up, which is, which is good. And, it's, and the weather is a little bit better than uh, the winter, huh? Oh, man. I think that when things, when things get a little bit warm, things get like a lot of fun here in Ontario. So we got another couple months before things get really, really cold again. Yeah. So I, I love starting these shows by just kind of asking my guests, uh, you know, a factor or uh, something about themselves that nobody would be able to guess from their LinkedIn profile or Facebook page. Anything you want to share with us that, that uh, any kind of random fact? Yeah. So random fact is before I got into tech, I swam on Canada's national swim team. Um, um, so it was a huge leap going from athlete to entrepreneur. Um, and one, that was something that I actually like, uh, didn't talk about much early days. Um, um, but it's something that I've like learned to embrace. And I mean, truly like everything that I've learned about managing a business, I learned like really in a pool. So, um, yeah, I guess the work ethic probably remains the same, right? But I think, yeah, work ethic is the same. I, I, I traded looking for the bottom of a pool for looking at a monitor uh, and, and, and the teams just got a little bit bigger. You have a pool background if you want. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, I, I mean, it, it's been, it's been interesting. Um, but, but, but that's, that's my random fact. So, so you know, I think this is an interesting call. Uh, I came across your platform, I think as a partner of another SaaS company, and I kind of clicked some buttons. I was like, what is this partner stack thing that's giving me a check, right? And, and then I was like, wow, it's a, a B2B SaaS affiliate platform. What, you know, what, made, what inspired you to come up with the idea to build partner stack? So we built this, non, we built this um, collaboration platform for nonprofits. And we learned that though we love nonprofits and like admire what they did, um, nonprofits are really tough customers, right? Um, they have few resources um, and they're really hard to sell to. The only thing that worked inside this business that we originally built was this refer friend program that we had. And the refer friend program is pretty simple. We went to our friends who were web developers, marketers, and consultants. We said, if you send us business, we'll send you, um, we'll send you a commission. And um, that's really what got started. That was back in 2014. Um, and end of 2014, we really reassessed like, where we were at from a business. We weren't growing the way we wanted to grow. We weren't doing what we really wanted to do. And we saw this massive opportunity. Um, and we saw that opportunity because software companies actually started reaching out to us saying, hey, how did you build your channel program? How did you build your affiliate program? And we're at the time, we're like, well, what's that? Um, and we learned about this like massive opportunity. And um, the, the vision that we developed ultimately was like, this could really change the way that companies go to market if, if companies use it effectively. Like they don't need to hire massive sales teams. They can use partnerships to ultimately get to where they want to be. Yeah. Hundred um, percent. Tell me a little bit about the Y Combinator class of fifteen. What's that like? Y Combinator is like graduate school for tech entrepreneurship. Um, um, it was everything. Like it, it, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Um, what did you um, think? It was be? So I thought Y Combinator was you kind of like showed up. Um, you're surrounded by brilliant people, which you are. Um, and there's this process where you work really hard, um, you pitch, 
you raise money and then kind of, you know, you build this massive company that eventually is acquired. What I learned was Y Combinator was really a network of people that you were able to learn through their experience. And um, I learned the value of transparency. I've learned, you know, what it actually, like what goal setting actually looks like, uh, looks like and, and how to do it correctly, how to run work back plans. Um, but I also learned that, um, you know, or, or what I underestimated was just how tough it was. Um, um, so, so going through YC, I think many people say it now. I truly appreciate it is like one of the hardest things that you could possibly do. Um, um, but you know, it's, it, it taught us a lot of lessons. So, um, we had quite, quite the journey. Well, it's a very exclusive club, right? I think it's 1% of the 1% get into the Y Combinator. Did you do the application yourself, the video? Yeah. So our, everyone has a different story about getting in. So, um, uh, I, I wrote the application in February, 2015. Um, at the time, um, we were, you know, we had this other company that was going, but it was pretty much paying the bills. And by bills, I mean, like it was affording us, you know, pizza and beer. Um, we were running on empty. Like all of us had racked up credit card debt, um, like trying to fund this business, get it off the ground, totally bootstrapped. And YC was really our last ditch, like our, our last, um, you know, effort to, to really make it big. Um, and within 90 days of applying, we took this, you know, like half baked idea and, and, and got into to, to YC, um, which was, which was, which was really, really cool. And, you know, the quick story on, on the actual day, we went into YC thinking, Hey, like, we're not going to get in, right? Like this is like going to Disney world. Let's just appreciate the experience, right? Like you, you do this once, like not many people do it. Let's just make the most of it. Able to fly down to the Bay area, meet with a bunch of YC founders beforehand. They helped us out. The community was amazing. Um, then went and did our interview and actually in the interview, we walked out of it thinking we did really well. We're like, we're for sure going to get it an offer. Um, and then YC starts putting out um, uh, their acceptance offers at like six o'clock at night. So six o'clock at night rolls around. Um, we don't get a call. Seven o'clock at night, it rolls around. We're still waiting on a call. Um, I, we were actually staying with um, one of our co-founders, uncles in, in the Bay Area. And we went to his, his uh, nephew's um, uh, like a, it was like a carnival at his elementary school and, uh, carnivals are crazy as is with like noises, screaming kids, all, all that type of stuff. Carnivals when you're waiting for the YC acceptance call is, is like the worst. So eight o'clock rolls around nine o'clock rolls around. And we know now that like 10 o'clock is when the, the, um, the emails go out to, um, with, you know, telling people that they didn't get in. So we're kind of scratching our heads and saying like, what the hell happened? 10 o'clock goes around, 11 o'clock goes around. We have a flight at 7.30 the next morning to go back to Toronto. And like, you know, we're calling home, we're calling our girlfriends, we're calling our parents. We're like, it didn't work out. We have no idea what happened. Um, you know, eight hours earlier, we were throwing high fives and everyone was super yeah. excited. Um, and then 11 o'clock rolls around and I just get this call from a, a California-based number. I pick up the phone and it's Kevin Hale. Uh, and he says, he goes, um, you know, Bryn, like Kevin Hale from Y Combinator, just want to, just want to invite you to this summer's class. And um, my response was like, what the hell took you so long? <laughs> um, and it just like rolled out because I was, I mean, I mean, anyway, um, I had, I was like, oh, I don't mean it like that. And he's like, oh, no, I mean, it's been a long day for us. So I think we're the last on the list, but we'd already like prepared to pack and go. 
Mm. Um, um, so, uh, I mean, we got in and, and now kind of the rest is history. Well, that's good. So what was your, what, what was your biggest takeaway from the whole process? Um, the biggest takeaway was that, um, you know, simplify your idea, um, and talk to customers. Um, talking to customers is one thing, right? But if you can't simplify your idea so that other people can understand it, you're, you're screwed. Um, if you have a really simple idea and you don't talk to customers, like there's a disconnect. So you have to do both. You have to do the heavy lifting. You have to dive into the weeds. You have to know what your customers want. And then you have to elevate that conversation so that everyone knows what people want. Um, so um, if we were to do YC again, we would have been even more focused. So we tried to acquire too many customers too quickly right out of YC, mm -hmm. um, um, which is the classic mistake that everyone falls for. If we were to have done it again, we would have picked 10 customers. We would have worked with them and made them incredibly happy. And then we would have scaled up. Um, but we, we, were, we were too eager off, off the bat. The result of that is we probably wasted in our first 24 months, eight to 10 months, um, you know, trying to acquire customers that were never going to stay with us or were just the wrong fit. Um, so, I mean, you live and you learn. 100%. So, so coming out of the Y Combinator, you guys, you guys raised a seed round, I'm, I'm guessing? Yeah, yeah, we raised a seed round. Um, yep. We made the decision to go back to Canada. Um, we made the decision to go back to Canada at the time was because we talked to some of the other YC graduates and they're like, Hey, you know, first year, uh, Stanford computer science, um, student that doesn't know how to code costs like $150,000 a year. Um, and, and so we just like hightailed it back up to Canada, um, where it's like, we just realized that we had so much more runway and it was going to let us experiment. We knew we didn't have product market fit. So came back up to Toronto in, in fall 2015. Um, and I've, I've just been like heads down grinding ever since. So what, what, what happens first, right? You mentioned product market fit. Is it, is it a function of your product or who your, who your customers are that, that would make product market fit? Like what's, was it a um, change or was it just finding the right people? Yeah. I, you know, it was, so I think that early stage founders think of product market fit or validation as raising financing. And we certainly fell into that boat. And so when you're motivated to raise financing, you build all these graphs that look, show this like really pretty up into the right curve. But like that graph can actually be built on, you know, sticks and it can just completely fall apart. Right. Like, um, and, and so, um, you know, there's an element of needing to show validation, but once you validated what's there, like product market fit is, you know, building something that works for more than just one person. You want it to work for, 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 for 10, at least 10 people before you're thinking of scaling, or that would be the advice that I'd provide to myself and today. Um, so product market fit is like a, a functioning product, certainly. Um, but product market fit really comes off when you have a product that works, you know who you're targeting, right? Like who your buyer is, and you know how to sell to them. Um, those are three really, really important steps, not just to have the product, not just to solve the problem, but know who your buyer is and how to sell to them. And I think that is like what product market fit is. And I think that that's something that's discounted too often. Makes sense. Makes sense. So, so let's talk about the product for people who don't know, right? I think, I think there's, you know, I think one of the issues out in the world is people love partner channels, right? But I think sometimes they have trouble making those payments, registering those leads and, and programs are just kind of, not really working and people don't have the confidence to refer somebody where does partner stack come in and, and how do you guys fix those concerns? 
So partner stack lets companies grow through partnerships, right? Like we believe that partnerships is the best way for a company to grow. It's cost effective um, in an environment where that really matters. Um, partnerships matters even more. The problem with partnerships is that partnerships has been treated like an art, right? Like the same way as sales used to be treated like an art until Salesforce came along and really turned it into a science until HubSpot came along and showed you what inbound marketing is. There's been no book written. There's no playbook that's written in the partnerships space. So what Partners Act does is we come in and we become the single source of truth. Um, we give companies, uh, you know, largely software providers, um, the um, a technical infrastructure required to manage their partner channels, right? You need a single source of truth if you're going to work with partners. You couldn't possibly expect your partner uh, uh, to hire a salesperson and not give them a CRM and expect them to perform. How do you think you can do the same thing for a partner? Um, so we, we become the single source of truth. What does that mean? Well, it means that we automate workflows. Um, we give like partner management. Um, so all the, we give you a portal, we give you like applications, we give you every single marketing tool, like trigger-based campaigns that can be sent out to partners based on their activity. We track leads, um, whether through, um, um, uh, uh, whether through uh, links or what, whether through like deal registration. Uh, and we actually process the commission payout. So that is what partnerships are like right along the entire framework. We take care of everything, whether that's for affiliate referral reseller or even distributor partnerships. Yeah. And there's different ways of calling it, right? Distributor market, like you call it a VAR value added reseller channel. People call it different ways, right? But there's, there's that part, there's that partner that has that relationship, right? Like, uh, like I know you and I might say, Hey, check out this technology. And then there's just partners that drive traffic. You never met them. You don't know them. Right. Um, whether it's per click, per lead, or per relationships, you're kind of handling all of them. We think that you need to. So we <laughs> think that the same change that just happened with, uh, so sales operations never used to exist, right? Everyone knows you need sales ops today to scale like an effective company. You know, marketing automation, like no one even knew what that was. The mm -hmm. last stage of like that growth inside of enterprise software has come from customer experience, right? Before people were calling it customer support, um, onboarding, professional services, customer success. Customer experience has been the thing that's like encapsulated all of that. We believe partnerships is every single version of referral, affiliate, reseller, distributor, and, and what we're gonna see over the next five and 10 years, you know, driven by us, is, is gonna be a shift towards that. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I think, I think B2B has needed it for a long time, which is great. Um, what challenges do you see just moving forward for, for other, for people running partner programs? What, like what are their, what's their biggest pain point that you guys fix when, it comes, when they come to you? Is Honestly, it just a single record of truth or is it just that they don't know how to build a program? Or like what's, what are they usually typically lacking? So the first thing that people lack is support from their executive team, right? Um, someone taps somebody on the show, the way that partnerships typically works is there's a board meeting and the board member tells the executive team, Hey, you should do partnerships. That's going to help you generate net new 20 to 30% uh, net new revenue. And then executive walks out and like looks out around their door and points at someone and says like, Hey, you, you're doing partnerships now. Um, that person has no background in partnerships. They have no idea what they're doing. Um, and the executive team is expecting to see a return within like 30 to 60 days. Right. So you need support from your executive team that partnerships is a decision. It's a channel you turn on. It's something that's there forever and it's the most effective way to scale revenue. So if you get that buy-in from your executive team, then you can take that next step. 
which is building a partner persona, right? Early days, you need to build a persona. Uh, partnerships was a sales thing. It is actually a function of marketing. Um, the people that are most successful in partnerships come from marketing because they understand that you need to build a partner persona. There is a, a specific type of person that will sell your product. And once you build that persona, you need to support that person and you need to recruit more of them. Um, so marketers typically end up being like very good at that. Um, that's typically where partner stack comes in. Once a persona has been able to be established, uh, we give you a portal for partners to be able to log into, to be able to apply into, which matters. Um, we give you a platform that you can share content and materials with to your partners because you need to treat your partners as though they're a part of your sales and marketing team. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and you need to give them resources um, so that they can learn how to, how to do what, what they need to do. Um, and, and, and then from there, I mean, we scale all the way up. Um, it's not just this infrastructure stuff. We actually connect to a broader network of partnerships, uh, or sorry, a broader network of partners. Um, we have tens of thousands of monthly active partners that sell multiple software products. Uh, and we actually help drive um, those partners to your program once you show up to our, our platform. So you actually have a whole network of publishers or partners, right, that are promoting products. Yeah, yeah. The best way to think of partner stack is like the way that the same way as Facebook built this social network or LinkedIn built a professional network, we're building a partnership network where we not only give companies the tools to manage their partner programs, but we actually help them with partner acquisition. And on the partner side of stuff, we help them manage all these all these programs, right? If I'm a partner today, I'm often having a log, say I sell seven different products. I'm logging into seven different portals. I'm trained in seven different ways and I'm paid out on different terms. We're trying to standardize that partner experience. And you know, we believe standardizing that partner experience will actually improve the partner experience and, and the people that, that join in that mission and believe in that will, will benefit you know, hugely from that. No, I, I agree with you. Um, do you think there's a benchmark right now with which companies should be investing into a partner or channel program? Is there like X percent of revenue should be reinvested in this program? Is there any standards you're seeing across the board? So the standard that the gold standard that everyone works towards is 20% of your revenue should be coming from partnerships. Um, the question is, does 20% of your revenue come from partnerships when you're at $5 million run rate? Or does 20% of your revenue come from partnerships when you're at a $30 million run rate? Right. Um, and, and so we always say you have to start this early. It's a marketing experiment and it's a funnel that needs to be optimized over time. So you can't go into partnerships thinking it's automatic revenue the same way as you can't go into sales, like thinking that it's automatic revenue, right? You actually have to provide value. So we see a sweet spot. Once companies hit that three to $5 million mark, that's typically when they're ready. That's when they've explored more than just, you know, demand gen, like simple demand gen through ads. That's when they're, you know, scaling up their sales team. When you have kind of three sales reps, when you have two marketers on your team. Mm -hmm. um, and that's when people really see a lot of success. Um, as companies get later stage, when the, when the marketing team ends up being three to five people, that's when one of those individuals need to be dedicated to partnerships. Um, and the, the bar that we show for, for that is if you can, you know, find 10 monthly active partners. So those are 10 partners that are sending you leads every single month or, or closing deals for you every single month, then you are actually prepared to dedicate more resources. And by that, I mean, you can go and hire more than just one person tied to, 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 to building this out. That's, that's good advice. Are, are, do you, do you find, um, yourself often just getting questions like that from potential customers who, are not only looking for your technology, but looking for just advice on how to build a program? 
the, the number, yeah, yeah, the number one question or really like concern that we get is like, how do I get executive buy-in, right? Like I've been told how to do this. Like what's the framework? How do I serve the framework up? So, so we've tried to provide people like a simple framework um, on, on communicating to the executive team. Um, what what the biggest failure typically is that people start changing the KPIs in their partner program um, to show that there's some traction. Ultimately, the KPI that matters most is revenue. But revenue is the output of a bunch of other KPIs. Um, so the, the you know, main drive, the, the, the next layer down is monthly active partners. And monthly active is defined as the, the partners that are actually sending you leads and sales. You, very important that you need to measure that. Um, partnerships is not an 80-20 rule, it's a 90-10, where 10% you know, of your partners will drive 90% of the value, and that's important to go and factor in. Um, and then the, the, the single biggest and often um, you know, left out or neglected KPI is um, days to first sale. Um, so everybody that is running the tactics, like managing these programs, need to be obsessed with not only onboarding and recruiting a partner, that's actually fairly, like, not that complicated, especially when you're tapped into a network like ours. What matters more is attracting how successful can a partner be, like, how, how successful can a partner be, and can you um, decrease the number of days it takes them to make that first sale? Um, and if you can bring that first under 45 days and then all the way down to 15 days, that's when you know you are ready to just dump gas on your partner program. Those are good points. I, I should be taking notes. I, I'm, I'm going to watch this podcast. <laughs> we're, we're building out. We, we, we had CloudTask and Vano, oh, great partnerships and customers coming through referrals and introductions in our channel, but it's never been fully structured. Um, but some of the numbers that you're mentioning are very similar to us, you know, going from three to five million, three full-time sales guys, two marketing guys. So it's, it's kind of, kind of feels very timely that we're, we're also, you know, not only having a podcast, but working with you guys. Um, as our platform, but I think there's a, there's just so much education that needs to be happening in the space, right? I think it's very easy, like you said, for people to be given these titles, right? Like you are now in charge of partnerships, and I'm guilty of doing that to a few of my employees, right? And I pointed that them, and I'm like, you're now ahead of partnerships, and like what, they're like, what does that mean, right? Yeah. Um, are there any good resources or like websites you recommend people to go to for for um, reading and learning, or is this something that partner stack yourself and you might create the content for us? Yeah. So yeah. Crossbeam um, has been really incredible with the um, content they've been pushing out. Um, they invested pretty heavily. Uh, we know Sean over there, and he's done just an incredible job. Um, so uh, Crossbeam actually helps with partnerships as well um, um, uh, in, 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 a, in a bit of a different way. So Crossbeam, check their blog out. Um, the Cloud Software Association is another excellent resources um, specific for partnerships. Um, they have an incredibly active um, uh, Slack group that I encourage everyone to go and join. Um, it's one thing to read a blog. I think I'm in that Slack group. Yeah, yeah. They, it's, it's really active. Sunir's done a great job over there. Oh, yeah, uh, I, am. I am in that Slack group. Yeah, Sunir's Senior, done a good job of building that community. Um, we got a really, we're really fortunate. We got a, we got a really good champion at, at Forrester. Um, so Forrester um, like, you know, is actually really good at creating partner materials. Um, on not how to build a program, but how to think of like the investment in your technology. Jay McBain over there puts out a lot of stuff on, on partnerships. Um, and then PartnerStack is going to be uh, driving, driving some new content. Um, we'll be working closely with, with guys like Alex Glenn, um, who's got some great content, same thing. Um, and, um, you know, we just really started to invest in our marketing channel over the last six months. 
So by end of year, we should be turning out some pretty interesting stuff that, you know, all the lessons learned from being heads down in product for the last four years. Yeah, I'm excited about your, your trajectory. I think, you're, I think what's very interesting about what you've built is it's helping other people sell their product, right? And creating just a unified channel for, for people to attract, you know, whether it's people who drive traffic, people who hold relationships, or all of the above, which is exciting. And I have personally sat down on some partner programs um, in the ERP space maybe four years ago where, where they, you know, attributed you know, close to 250 million of their 600 million run rate to just partners, right? So this is this is something that a lot of big organizations have been taking advantage of. It's it, it's making its way down to smaller companies, right? Um, and if you look at the distribution model, like Ingram Micro or some of these major uh, distribution companies, this kind of partner program has been happening for a while. Just that it's been it, it hasn't been so accessible. I would say the SMB, um, which which I think you guys are making that available. And now it's also great for the enterprise as well, your platform, but just really, you know, give you a round of applause for, for building this platform and, 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 you know, burning many midnight candles and just and, and putting the work in so that um, a leader like myself now can, can use the platform to, to monetize what you built, help other companies, right? Because without those tools, it can't bring us all together. You know, us, us, you know, people who have sales ability. So it's, it, it's uh for me, it's exciting to see where you guys are going to go. Um, and I think, you know, after this show, I, I could imagine you're getting a lot more messages because a lot of people out there are, are, I wouldn't say struggling. They're just, there's, there's got to be, you know, more cohesive and, and, and best practice kind of way of building a program and shouldn't just be all over the place. A lot of people I know are, they, they try to piecemeal their HubSpot to handle partnerships or, you know, their sales force. And it just ends up breaking at some point, right? And yeah. I think it's very tempting to just try to, try to take what you have and, and put it towards partnerships, but nothing really, in my opinion, um, can just handle all the payments, lead registrations. I mean, you know, I've, I've made introductions to you guys where people have been working with partner technologies for 10 years, but they were very impressed with your Salesforce integration. Right. Um, and just not the old static cookie kind of yeah. uh, way of doing it, which is, which is awesome. So you guys have a bright future, but I think, you know, for me, the, the big way of getting there is just continuing to be a voice and, and continuing to talk to other um, you know, partner relationship uh, people. I'm a big believer that we'll see an explosion of PDRs, partner development reps, right? Yeah. I, th I, think, um, I think we're going to find a lot of people investing in finding the right partners, right? Because you have a great platform with a lot of partners, but it doesn't mean that you can't attract better ones, right? That are more specific for you, right? So it just creates a whole new ecosystem, I think, for new positions um, and people that have, you know, a new career path, which is awesome. So big, big round of applause for me, uh, Bryn. I'm like, you know, I love, I, you know, I'm a big, a big fan. Yeah, no. And I mean, it's awesome to work with, with the cloud task and you like it's, it's been, it's been, it's been really cool. None of this stuff would be possible without innovators like yourself. Um, and I think that, you know, we're really seeing some new innovation in sales and marketing now. Um, and, and people looking to try new things, especially in times like this, right? Like at the end of the day, everyone always needs to grow. Um, and, and, and partnerships lets you do that. So I appreciate the support, appreciate the shout out again, would not be possible without people like yourself. taking. Are you going to join this. the podcast partner program? That's the question. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> I knew it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you, you, we'll be fully transparent. We'll use partner stack. You'll see everything. That's awesome. Um, this is, this has been amazing for anyone, for anyone who's maybe a young leader trying to apply to the Y Combinator raising their first seed round, you know, 
um, building a product or building a channel, anybody who's listening, who wants to reach out and just kind of pick your brain, where, where's the best, what's the best way for them to find you? Is it LinkedIn? Um, email? how can they reach you? Yeah. Best way to get in touch with me is through email. Um, Bryn, B-R-Y-N at partnerstack.com. Um, reach out to me on LinkedIn and connect. Um, I spent a lot of time chatting back and forth with people. I love helping people, whether it's through partnerships, whether it's through starting in their own startup journey, or even just career advice. Um, you know, I've got a few, few reps under my belt now um, and always happy to provide advice or, or be helpful in any way. So please feel free to reach out. Appreciate it, man. I, I appreciate taking the time to be on the Cloud9 podcast. Guys, this is uh, Bryn Jones from, from Partnerstack. Bryn, thanks again, man. Really appreciate yeah. it. Thanks so much, Mir. Have a good one. Bye-bye.